So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1, okay? That's the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you, as always, all of the verses will be inside your program. They'll be up on the jumbotrons. They're even going to come up on the internet. And by the way, welcome to all of you that are watching online. If you don't own a copy of the Word of God, all you have to do is go into the altar room when we're done, and we'll give you one. Uh, we give away lots of Bibles here. In fact, as that little basket goes by, a piece of that obviously goes to buy all the Bibles we purchase. And we purchase just more Bibles than you could ever imagine. And the people that make the Bibles don't give them to us for free. We have to buy them. And we give out lots of Bibles to other churches in our community. Uh, there are other churches that don't have the resources we do, and so we buy them Bibles also and make sure that they have Bibles to hand out to all of their, their, their people. Now next week, we're gonna get back into our study of the book of Romans. And if you haven't been here from the beginning of it, that's okay, because next week, we start a whole big third section of it, and I'll get everybody caught up. You'll know exactly where everybody is. You won't feel like you're left behind or anything like that. So next week, we're gonna get back into the book of Romans, Lord willing. But today we're going to talk about something that's uh, re really, really weighty. We're going to talk about the, the sacredness of human life. Genesis chapter 1 says this, Then God said, this is God speaking, Christian. This is God speaking. The Father the Son, the Holy Spirit are all gathered together. Let us, you see the Godhead there, make human beings in our, once again, you see the Godhead, our image and likeness, and let them, human beings, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the tame animals, over all the earth, over all the small crawling animals on the earth. So God created human beings in his image. That's what it says. Beloved, we as human beings are made in the very image of God, and that's what makes human life special. It's what makes human beings unique. It's what sets human life apart from all other life. It's what makes human life sacred. Cows and goats and whales and spiders and frogs aren't created in the image of God. They're created by God, but they're not created in the very image of God. Only we as human beings are, and that's what sets us apart from all other created things. I've used this illustration before. If you were to step on a cockroach, nobody cares. If you kill a fly with a fly swatter, nobody cares. But you kill another human being and you got a mess on your hands. You're going to probably spend the rest of your life in jail or worse because human life is different than all other life forms. Now with this said, 
with this as a foundation, I, I, I want to get a little more specific, okay? I want to bore down on this a little bit more. And I understand I'm preaching to the choir right now. 98% of you in this room are, are going to get this. I, I get it. I understand that. But sometimes the choir needs to be preached to every now and then. And for those of you that are here visiting, maybe you don't know the Lord, you don't have to agree with what I'm going to talk about. You don't have to agree with it. For a lot of my life, I didn't agree with it either. I wasn't a believer, wasn't a follower of Christ. But at least you'll know what we believe. You'll be able to walk out of here in a few minutes, and every time you drive by, you know, 4040 Tully Road here, you can say, hey, I totally disagree with them, but at least I know what they believe. At least I've seen in their Bible what they believe. I want to give you two major thoughts and then a few action steps. Okay, just, just two, two major thoughts then a few action steps. And the first major thought is this, is that the unborn are created by God and are persons before God. Now, I'm, I'm talking as a theologian here. Because okay, that's what I am. And that's what you are, Christian. I'm looking at this theologically. Psalms 139, King David penned these words. He said, you, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And that's the understatement of the year, isn't it? Your workmanship, God, is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. I love what D.A. Carson said, great theologian. He said, every embryo is a person, a creative possession of God with days planned ahead, a life ordained in heaven to be lived on earth. I think I put that in your notes. Maybe it didn't make it there. I don't know. I just really love that. God said this to Jeremiah, the, the, the great prophet. He said, before I made you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I chose you. Before you were born, Jeremiah, I set you apart for a special work. I, I appointed you, Jeremiah, as a prophet to the nations. God says, before I made you, Jeremiah, I chose you. And the word before is a, is a really uh, significant word. God, God is saying, before I even began to create the person who would later become known as Jeremiah, I knew him. I chose him. So in the mind of God, before Jeremiah was even conceived, God considered him a person. And not only did God consider him a person, but he also had a plan laid out for his life. And here's a weighty thought. The same thing is true for you. Before you were even conceived, God knew you. And he had a calling on your life. 
God has a calling for every unborn human. Some are appointed to be doctors, some construction workers, some salespeople, maybe a mechanic, some pastors, some missionaries, some policemen. Some are to oversee a, a pregnancy center in Modesto. Jeremiah was appointed to be a prophet to the nations. And this appointment came before he was even conceived. Now, for us as human beings, you know, pop! You know, we, 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 we can't even wrap our minds around that. Because we're not God. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-powerful. But God is giving us some, some information here through the pen of Jeremiah. Now let me continue to bore down on this, this thought by looking at what the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah in Luke chapter one. In verse 13 it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayers, your prayer has been heard. Your wife will bear you a son, okay? That was gonna be John the Baptist. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drinks. And then there's this little phrase right here. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Amen. That's what God said. Listen to me carefully. So human is the unborn life to God that he filled John the Baptist with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. In other words, the Holy Spirit only indwells human life. So if the Holy Spirit indwelt John the Baptist while he was still in his mother's womb, it had to be human life because the Holy Spirit only indwells human life. Think about this. Just, just think about this, Christian. If life doesn't begin at conception, then Jesus ceased to exist as a person for nine months while he, he was in his mother's womb. Let, let that settle in for a moment. In other words, if life doesn't begin at conception, Jesus wasn't a person while he was in the womb. <laughs> and that's just, that's just crazy, isn't it? That's just a, a crazy thought. Beloved, God makes it crystal clear that the unborn are created by God and are persons before God. Now, obviously, a lot of people don't hold this view. I understand that. A lot, a lot, not a lot of people hold this high and sacred view of life within the womb, this sacred view of life within the womb. But to God, it's incredibly sacred. And in the final analysis, this is all that matters. Political parties are gonna have their opinions, and, and we understand that, right? Doctors and medical organizations are gonna have their opinions. 
I've spent a lot of time in my 30 years as a, as a, you know, working here at the church, as a follower of Christ, over the last couple of weeks preparing for this, you know, just reading different medical journals and things. Scientists and scholars, they're all going to have their opinions. You and I are going to have our opinions. But all of them will be judged by the word of God. All of them. All of them. Psalms 100 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Beloved, not only did God, you know, make you, but you're his possession. You belong to him. We talked a little bit about that last week. You belong to him. You're his. You. It's, it, it's what makes you know, humans so special and different is that God created you, you belong to him. And unfortunately, we've got generations of kids who aren't being taught that. We're not being taught that they're, they're unique and special, that their life is sacred. We're not being taught that. <clears throat> You get, you get that kind of data at a church or at least a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church because there's a lot of churches out there that, you know, they got one of these. They got one of these. They got a band up here that'll sing some songs and they got a cross up and they got one of these and they got a, a guy. But they don't believe what I'm teaching. Now, there are two really crummy arguments out in the world today. There's, there's a lot of them, but let me give you, give you a couple of them. The first one goes like this. No child should be brought into this world unwanted. And here's the deal. I agree with that statement. I, I think we'd all agree with that statement. What a crummy thought that a child would, you know, come into the world and not be wanted. But once life has begun in the womb... God wants this child brought into the world because it's a human life. Listen to me very carefully. Your parents may not have planned you or wanted you, but God did. There are tons of illegitimate parents in the world, but there's not one, not one illegitimate child. And for some of you, that might be the one thing you just take home with you. If you're here, it's because God wanted you here. He made you and you're his. Now, some of you don't realize that yet. You don't even believe that there is a God, but the truth is he created you. Your life is sacred, very sacred. I had a young boy ask me one time, Pastor Rick, I never knew my parents. They gave me up for adoption when I was a baby. Why did God allow me to be born? I remember having the conversation with him right out here. It was a few years ago. I remember it. And I told this young boy, you were born because God wanted you. And he has a really cool plan for your life and your parents simply had the right DNA to create you in the way that he could then use you to accomplish whatever that cool plan is. Now the other argument is this. 
If the child in the womb is deformed or is missing a limb or whatever, you, you, you should be able to abort and start over again. There's a man by the name of Richard Dawkins who is a very famous atheist. He wrote a number of books. He was asked a question by someone. It was an ethical question. And this is the Twitter feed of it, okay? I'm gonna show it to you. Here's the, here, here's the first one. In your, in your face, New Yorker, I honestly don't know what I would do if I were pregnant with a kid with Down syndrome. It's a real ethical dilemma. And you can see that was posted at 7.52 a.m. And Richard Dawkins, one minute later, posted this. Abort it and try again. It would be immoral to bring it into the world if you have the choice. <laughs> what a loser. What a stinking loser. I don't care what kind of initials you got before your name, a D and an R. Maybe you got a P and an H and a D after your name, but that's sick. That's just bloody sick. It's just sick. To kill a human life, any life, because it doesn't meet our criteria of quality of life or whatever is just flat out wrong. Sinful and will be judged by God Almighty someday. The Sixth Commandment says that we're not allowed to kill. Someone once said this, quote, Americans are quick to focus on the freedom of choice, but slow to focus on the results of such choices. Well, and I think that's true. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs chapter 14. It's one of my favorite verses. I, it tends to pop up in a number of, of my sermons. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. That's what it says. There's a way, seems right, to a man, it seems right to a woman, it seems right to a culture, it seems right to a Supreme Court, it seems right to legislators, it seems right. But in the end it leads to death. There are things or ways or philosophies that seem right to us as human beings. They, they feel right to us. They seem to be logical to us, especially as Americans. There are ways that seem right to us as a culture. There are ways that emotionally they, they feel right to us as a culture. But though they seem right or feel right or they seem logical or whatever, they're actually terribly, terribly wrong. And the reason they're terribly, terribly wrong is because they're not God's way. That's why. And one of the great reasons we gather together each weekend here at Big Valley Grace is to look into God's word to see what truth is, what his truth is, or to see what God has to say about, you know, different things. Because as his followers, we, we need to know what he says about life, 
I, I got it. I, I live in a world where I got all kinds of Twitter coming at me. I got Facebook stuff coming at me. I got, I got magazines that all have opinions and thoughts. I, I, I get all the news you know, organizations that are giving me all kinds of data, all kinds of stuff coming at me from all different ways. My satellite radio, man, I, I, can, I can listen to just about anything. And there are lots of voices out there. And they may seem right. People can make a logical argument about things. What we as God's followers have to do is look here and go, okay, wait a minute here, hold on here. I'm hearing all this stuff. God, what do you say? Psalms 25 says, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. Beloved, there's a right path or a right road which we can go down, which means there's a wrong path or a wrong road we can go down, and you have to decide what you're gonna use to help you find that right road or right path. Your intellect, your emotions, your feelings, what the culture says, what the Supreme Court says, what your parents taught you, what your college professor you know, taught you, or what God has said. <laughs> there are paths out there that we, as a church, we as a culture, you as an individual are, are, are gonna have to make, you know, what path are we gonna choose? Who's right on this issue? They got one march on Washington that says one thing, and then, you know, there's another march on Washington that says another. Wow, who, who, who's right? Who's right? Is it, is it how many people showed up? Who's right? And I, I, I'm only speaking to those of you that are followers of Christ. You, you are called to be a theologian. For us, it doesn't matter how many are showing up on this side or how many are showing up on this side. We have to go here. Jesus said it's the truth that sets us free. It's not our emotions or our feelings or what our parents think or whatever. It's the truth that sets us free. This is what sets us free as, a, as believers. It's the truth. Now I understand that there are many things found in Scripture that are hard or difficult to accept. I get it. There are many things in Scripture that I frankly have a hard time grasping. Just want you to know. Don't think I read, oh man, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> no. There are a lot of things I just go, what? Deuteronomy 29 says this, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Imagine that. That God would know things that you don't know. Well, obviously, Pastor, you don't know me because I'm, I'm the smartest guy on the planet. <laughs> we are not accountable for those things. 
But we, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. In other words, look, don't think this is all there is to know about God because it's not. This is what God chose to let us in on. And even the things that he chose to let us in on sometimes are just mind-blowing. We don't get. This is what we are to keep our nose in. This is what we need to have in front of us as our truth. And when it comes to human life, God's word is crystal clear. It's sacred. It's sacred from the moment of conception. God makes it crystal clear that the unborn are created by him and are persons before him. Which brings me to the second major thought I want to share with you. This is number two. Okay? And uh, Pastor Tim and Chrissy alluded to some of this, and that is this. you got to do something about the killing of human life within the womb. Beloved, because human life is sacred, even life in the womb, we as Christians can't be okay with abortion. We just can't be okay with it. Just can't be. James says anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and he doesn't do it, sins. In other words, being a follower of Jesus is more than just avoiding evil. You, you can do nothing and still sin. In other words, you, you know, as a follower of Christ, we don't wake up in the morning, you know, put a bubble on and go, okay, I just got to make sure I don't do anything evil today. And then we make it through the day and we go, yes, nailed it. No, because if you know you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, that's sin. See? And when it comes to abortion, God wants his people to take action because human life is, is sacred. It's sacred. Listen to this story found in Luke chapter 10. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? What do the Ten Commandments say, in other words? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and all of your strength and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is exactly my neighbor? <laughs> and Jesus replied with a story, great story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm in town. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Man, 
Beloved, we can easily become like the priest or the temple assistants when it comes to babies that are in the womb. We just, we just kind of walk by and we do nothing. The Bible says in James chapter 2, suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What, 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 what good does that do? I got a video I want to show you. It's about nine minutes long. It's well done. It's called Sing a Little Louder, and I want you to check out the, 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 the jumbotrons. not erase. Sometimes the only way forward is by facing the past. This is my story. I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning at the exact same time, we heard the whistle from a distance and then the clacking of the wheels moving over the track. It was at the same time every Sunday. We felt the rattling from the trail of cattle cars accompanied by the screeching of metal that would echo through our church walls. It was a Sunday in the spring that would change my life forever. Jesus said, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, Turn the other also, loving your enemy. This is a far better way. This is how we were called to live. To understand this unnatural virtue, we must look to Jesus Christ as our model and our guide. was his strength, his silence, his statement to the world. We must pray for those who persecute us. Prayer is the mechanism 
that reaches heaven and moves mankind. Prayer. It's easy to underestimate prayer.
Wie heißt du? Wie heißt du? Years have passed and no one talks about it much anymore. I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear him crying out for help. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians yet did nothing to intervene. So let me share with you uh, four action steps that, that you can take to value human life. It's not enough that we just hear a theological sermon about it. That's important. It's important that we understand the theological uh, uh, underpinnings of, of what we believe as Christians. We, we need to know what the Bible says about that, okay? That, that's important. But it can't end there. So I want to give you four, four things that you can do. So, so, so you don't leave here just getting in your car and tuning up the radio and singing a little louder. Here's things you can do. Number one, pray. James tells us that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's what God's word says. That, that's what God says. You see that, Christian? That's what God says. Uh, it's not me. I'm telling, you know, I'm just pointing out a passage to you. God says that, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. It'd be interesting to know how many of you, when the last time you prayed over this issue, and you said, God, I don't, I don't know how this works, but could, could, you, could you do something? Just even in our own town, could you shut down that, uh, that, that place on 2020 Tully Road or Coffee Road? Would you maybe pray that people, that people would understand the sanctity of human life to the degree that, man, what, a, what, a, what an unbelievable uh, privilege God has given women that you get to carry life inside of you. And maybe, maybe as a country, we wouldn't be so cavalier in terms of our sexual thoughts and allowing 
people just to have sex because of the sacredness of what could happen and often does. Pray that there would be a moral revolution in our country. Praying would be something that you could do. And that, that, by the way, I, I think it begins there. You, you know the theological underpinnings of it. Now, one of the things we can all do is pray. Because I, I believe what God says. I, he said it. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that up. He said it. Number two, speak out. Write a letter or six to your senator or congressman or to the president. How hard would it be once a month, 12 letters, just to write something to your senator, to your congressman, or to the president, just saying, hey, I just want you to know that I believe that life is sacred. Whenever you get a chance, you know, speak up against the slaughter of, of life. Vote for those that value life. Take your, you know, talk to your children about sexual purity. Let me share with you four things about me, your pastor, okay, four things. Number one, I believe that human life begins at conception. I believe that. To disagree with this in light of all the scientific data out there is nothing more than intellectual dishonesty to be straight up with you. Number two, I'm unapologetically pro-life because God is obviously pro-life. Number three, abortion just breaks my heart. Just breaks my heart. And number four, I've never knowingly voted for a pro-choice candidate in my life. Never, know, never knowingly. And I'm talking about whether it's the mayor, city council, the dog catcher, I don't care who it is. If they are pro-choice, I don't pull the lever for them. I will not pull the lever for them. I want to be able to sleep at night. I won't do it. And being the pastor of a church like this, all the people always want me to, you know, we endorse me. And I, I ask basically one question. I realize that my mayor is never gonna have any impact on, you know, Supreme Court justices or whatever. I just ask one question. I wanna know, you're pro-life, you're pro-choice. And that one answer right there, if they say they're, they're pro, I'm pro-choice, done, we're done. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're a red or you're a blue or you're an independent. I don't care. I'm not voting for you. I'm not going to do it. Now, some people will say, well, don't you have to choose between, you know, the worst of two evils? No. I don't have to choose evil. I don't have to choose it. I'm not, you're not going to put me in that box. I'm not going to vote for evil or the less of two evils. I won't do it. And those are four things that I don't have any problem speaking out on. Do, do I take some flack for that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Number three, practice grace. So in everything Jesus said, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Beloved, abortion is obviously wrong. It's a sin before God, but it's not the unpardonable sin. As crummy as it is, it's forgivable, which means we have to practice grace. Listen, there's no doubt that we need to speak out against the moral concerns of our society, but at the same time, we have to offer love and compassion to those that, that need help. Remember, you know, our primary biblical command is to make, you know, disciples, not to win the argument here. 
That's what we're called to do, is make disciples. And number, number four, participate. Volunteer down at the Modesto Pregnancy Center. Volunteer at Oliviana's closet. Bring a suitcase for a foster child to have. Buy a, a comfort kit, uh, you know, for a foster uh, child. Adopt a child. Support a family that has adopted a child. See, one of the things about Big Valley Grace is that there's a whole lot of pastors and people in this church that have adopted a child. Somebody makes the choice. Okay, pastor, you, you've convinced me. The Bible's crystal clear. That's a life within my womb. I'm now gonna have that child and people have these babies. Maybe, maybe we in this room are the ones that are supposed to say, great, we'll raise them to God's glory. Give them to us. And one of the things, as I said, about this church is that there's just a high percentage of people that have adopted children. In fact, I want you to meet uh, Joel Boone and Sarah Boone. He's one of our pastors who's adopted a couple of children. Watch this video real quick. I'm Judge B, and I'm very happy to have all of you here today for this special event for the Boone family as Savannah becomes part of their family. Mr. and Mrs. Boone, you understand that by adopting Savannah, she becomes your daughter. And hopefully she'll have you love and emotional support for the rest of your life. Okay, it's now official. Savannah's all yours. Congratulations. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This is the verse that God used in our life to really motivate us to take action, step out in faith, and become foster parents for the first time, which ultimately led to us becoming adoptive parents. And there was a lot that we didn't know when we began this process. We didn't know who. God had planned to join our family. We didn't know our little girls yet. We didn't know when it would take place, how long the process would take, how many months or years it might be before our little girls joined our family. We didn't know how all the logistics would work out. We had a pretty good sized family already and adding more children to it was gonna change things. But there was one thing that we did know. We knew why we wanted to adopt because God called us to care for orphans. And we knew we could do this through the foster care system. And ultimately, God gave us the gift of adoption. But this required us and our family to take a step of faith. A step of faith to go to informational meetings, to fill out adoption applications with adoption agencies, to trust that God had a perfect plan for our family and who was gonna be in our family. And we wanna invite you to take a step of faith as well, to join us for a four-week class where we're gonna cover our own adoption story, the story of how two little girls came to be a part of our forever family. We wanna walk through the foster care system, the adoption process, and how families can come alongside those who are in the fostering and adoption process to become a support system to help those families who are adopting succeed. We want to invite you to join us 
Saturday nights at 6 p.m. in the venue beginning February 11th. Together as a church family, let's take a step of faith and care for orphans and their distress. That'd be a great way to participate. See, it's not enough, believer, for us to go, hey, abortion's wrong. That's just crazy. But that, that's the typical response of a church. And this church has said, look, that's part of it. We need to know what we believe and we need to speak out, but we also need to pray and we need to participate. We need to extend grace to people. And by going to that class, you're not saying, hey, I'm here to adopt. It's a long, 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 long process. But what you're doing is you're just there to say, God, here I am. There are 600 children in our county who are uh, uh, able to be adopted. 600, about 600, somewhere in that zone. And I just think it would be really cool that in our county, imagine... You know, we're the meth capital of the world, it seems like. We're always like the carjacking capital of the world. We're always one of the fifth worst places to live, you know, in the world. And wouldn't it be neat if when they were going through that list, they went, but you know what's weird about that little pinhole on a map called Stanislaus County? There's not one child there who has to be adopted. Every, every kid. Something's going on in that city. That's weird. Everybody's been, everybody's been, you know, adopted or whatever, whatever phase they're in. And that could easily happen with just the Christians in our community. Easy. That'd be a testimony of the grace of God in our town. But not everybody's supposed to adopt. Some are supposed to help those that do adopt. Some are supposed to help down at the pregnancy center. There's lots of places where you can Get involved. Here's the deal. Some of you might be sitting out there and you're going, man, I've, I've had an abortion. I can't think of anything else. And maybe you came to faith in Christ last week, last month, and you're just learning some truth right now. Here's the deal. Just confess it to, to God. The Bible says, for everyone is sinned. <laughs> You, me, look around, thousand people in this room, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I realize some sin is weightier than others. I get that. But if you're here and you're going, man, I had an abortion, maybe two, just confess it to God and he'll forgive you. I want you to know something. I was thinking about this. There are three men who wrote a lot of the Bible and they all had something weird in common. Christian, I want you to think about this. Moses, David, and Paul. One of the things they all had in common is they were all murderers. <laughs> they all had participated in murder, got their hands dirty with blood. And yet, God used them. It's not the, you know, unpardonable sin. It needs to be repented of. 
But I want you to know something. God can use you. God wants to use you. He cares about your life deeply. In fact, here's the deal. I want you to put that number up on the screen, Chrissy's number, surrender in the secret. I think I even put it in your notes. If you're here and you're going, man, I just, I just feel crummy. I just don't know what to do. Here's the deal. You call that number right there, and the only person who's going to answer that, even if you leave it, your number, is, is Chrissy. Nobody. Now, I'm not going to answer the phone, not some other dude or some other gal. It's the person you saw up here, Chrissy. And she'd love to meet with you and talk with you and pray with you and cry with you and do all whatever needs to happen with you, get involved in their, their Bible study called Surrendering the Secret or I, whatever. You call that number. You see, this is a church that understands it, 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 that this chair doesn't stand on one leg. It has four. And when it comes to this issue, we've got to have a number of legs. We've got we to know what the scriptures teach. We've got to know that. That's one of the legs. But we gotta, we got to speak out. we got to show grace. we got to adopt. There, there's a number of things. Oliviana's claws. we got to help those that make the choice to keep those children. And so maybe you just got to find a place. You, you find a place, some place. And it could be next week, you're not in this room. You're over in the venue with Pastor, Pastor Joel and his wife. Okay, why don't you stand up? Let, let, let me pray for you. And don't forget, outside these doors out here are all kinds of, of these agencies. Go out, say hi to them, pick up their information. A lot of them we support here as a church. Some of them we don't, but a lot of them we do. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. I'm just grateful, God, for your word. I'm grateful, God, that you tell us that human life is just sacred. Every person standing in here, whether they know you or not, whether they believe in you or not, their life is sacred because it was created by you in your very image. Lord, I pray, God, that as we leave this place, we just wouldn't sing a little louder, but somehow we would figure out a way to participate. And maybe some would say, I'm going to adopt a child. Maybe, may they begin that process here in a couple of weeks. February 11th. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Live for Christ.